Welcome to What's Your Beef? Each week, we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, this is What's Your Beef? And I'm Jane Cudahy. There wouldn't be too many people who would hear the voice of today's guest and not be instantly transported to the centre ring of any rural Queensland show. For over 30 years, Angus Lane has been the voice of country shows as well as the Ecker and, of course, Beef Australia. His voice is as synonymous with the interbreed grand parade as that of the drama of the show jumping and the mouth-watering delights in the CWA tent. Hello, Angus. Thanks so much for joining us. What a lovely introduction. Thanks, Jane. And it's, uh, it's an absolute honour to be with you today. Thank well, you. Well, I'm delighted, actually, as well. I'm not going to lie. I think you've, um, you've been the voice of most of the shows that I've been to. But I want to start at the very beginning. I, I understand that you grew up in Brisbane, but managed to become a farmer around Jandowry on the Darling Downs. Yeah, Jane, that's right. I grew up in Brisbane. I had wonderful parents, and I spent a lot of time, would you believe it, the Clounder of the Sunshine Coast where I used to ride my surski every weekend. I don't think it probably have got it big enough one to, to hold my weight now, but <laughs> but look, it was great. And, and uh, my father was managing director of uh, Robinson Sports Store, so I was very lucky to be able to get the best of the best of the sporting equipment as well at the right price. Mm. But look, we had a wonderful upbringing, and I received my education at Newmarket State School, then Brisbane Grammar School, and then I went bush to Jindawi, and uh, I had... Uh, Work for my aunt and uncle out there, and on a small a small farm that they had, which was a mixed farm. And eventually, I finished up buying that farm. And then, and when I met my lovely wife Vicky, uh, who's so much part of what I do with my announcing as well, and she does all my computer work. But uh, we we met and we were married in in uh, 1967, and then we bought another property, and uh, so began our journey on the land. And I think that gave me a great foundation. I always wanted to go on the land, so I think that gave me a great foundation to. To want to have this enormous passion and the desire to learn more about beef, the beef industry and the dairy industry and whatever industry, particularly the grain industry I was involved with as well. But that desire was always with me and that led on then to, of course, the, the big desire I had when I was nine years of age sitting on Machinery Hill wanting to be the Royal Showering Announcer. Well, that's quite a, a landmark moment when you're nine, isn't it, to, to have that real... Um idea of what you wanted to do. So I'm assuming this is your um, dream of becoming an announcer. How did that happen when you were nine? Well, it was just, it just I mean, there was a wonderful man by the name of George uh, Hardman, who was the announcer at the time, Brisbane Ecker. And, uh, and George, in fact, uh, was, to me, his voice was naturally synonymous with the shows because he announced other all shows throughout Australia as well. But above all, he was very passionate about the people, the people that made up the Ecker, the people that showed, the people where they came from and the generations that were involved. And, of course, later on, John Nash. When George, I was there the day that George actually passed away in the broadcast box of the Echo. And it was quite amazing to hear the complete silence and then John Nash eventually coming on and uh, letting us know that George Hubbard passed away behind the microphone, no doubt, uh, if he had a dream of... uh, Passing away, Goodness. anything you were doing that that'd be that'd be sort of a, what you want to do, I suppose, because he had such a love for what he was doing. But uh, George was the voice I listened to predominantly before John Nash. I didn't uh, go to a lot of shows with John, but I uh, I had so much respect and uh, so much admiration with John Nash as well because he was the he was the first to present Beef eighty eight in Rockhampton as well. John Nash before I had the great honour of coming up for ninety one. So. 
you know, I think those people, the legacy of his voice, I suppose, his voice just uh, did something, resonated something in my whole being to, to want to desire. And my mother was sitting on, we had, used to have all the country, our country cousins, I say, came down to the Ecker. And uh, we used to get, catch up with them and go to the Ecker and sit up on Machinery Hill. And uh, I remember the Kelly boys, the Kelly brothers, who had their a Jersey steer in a, in a jump. They were, they were uh, clowns, uh, comedians, just like Rusty Frame was, the great Rusty Frame. And my mum said, if you could do anything at the Echo, show cattle or ride horses or whatever, what would you like to do? And I can still remember to this day saying, I'd like to take that microphone and be the royal sharing an answer. And so, you know, that's not something you go to your, your teacher at school and say, right, so what do I have to do to become the announcer? I think that's something that comes later. So what... What was your big break? How did you get into that announcers? Well, have the the microphone handed to you? Well, well, I always when I went to Jindawi, I suppose the passion was always there, and I was helping uh, to sell tickets on the gate actually as the patrons came into the show, and then later I sold tickets in a horse float. <laughs> and I used to listen to the late uh, Bill Reynoldson and Dick Travers, two wonderful men and two great voices, and they were the announcers at Little Jindawi show. And uh, when they left the district, I put up my hand. And uh, there was two other gentlemen took over for one year, and then they said, uh, "Was there anyone that would like to do the announcing?" And I put my hand up, and uh, I was very fortunate to to uh, actually be accepted in that role because Jindari in those days and the small country towns were really thriving compared to what they are today. Because I suppose they relied so much on daring in those times, and we had our own butter factories and all those small country towns, and you had uh, your annual sales, uh, cattle sales every every week or fortnight. You had your calf sales every fortnight. So it was a very vibrant place to live in those days. And uh, unfortunately, when the cream factories had closed and it became whole milk and so many people lost uh, their jobs, I dare say, the share farmers, they uh, finished up losing jobs and positions and daring uh, got less and less and less. And so we had to change, I dare say, same as they do now. They had to change all their ideals and, and the opportunities that arose to change their way of life and, and go into other 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 situations or other professions. And that's when I changed and went over to grain and beef. So, uh, you know, look, it's it's just, I dare say, it's just part of part of the history of what we, what and how we do things. Exactly. And look, I'll, I will come back to the appeal of country shows in a minute, but I do, you know, we've said the word announcer a few times and I guess it feels like a bit of a stupid question, but when you, you've made such a career out of being a, a ring or a ground announcer, what does that mean? What is your role? What do you go into these events, you know, as you, with your brief? Well, firstly, could I just say that without committees and without volunteers, as we see at uh, Beef Australia 2021, without those wonderful committees and setting guidelines and uh, particularly working with, with uh, Russell up there, Russell Hughes, who was also involved with the Stud Beef Cattle section for uh, 2018 and working with Bonnie Geddes and now working with Margaret Olaf for 2021. But without those volunteers and without those people putting up their hands to run all these events and put them on, I would never have a job. And I've developed an enormous, uh, I suppose, respect for words starting with P, if I could put it that way, because without people, we wouldn't have events. Without parents, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be here, neither would you. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, if we don't, if we don't have that passion and that purpose and perseverance and persistence and Two very important words for myself are preparation. I can't say that enough. Preparation, because without preparation, I can never do a presentation. So, you know, I make sure that when we are invited to go to an event, I'm only an invited guest to be part of presenting their whole 12 months, or in this case, three years of hard work, is to make sure that we do the right thing and we, we salute our sponsors, we salute people on the committees, we make sure that people are updated with 
the number of breeds, for example, there's been 70 breeds that have actually been shown at the Beef Australia over that uh, since 1988 of the first very first one. So, you know, the most important thing, I think, is to make sure you do your preparation. If you don't do preparation, honestly, you can never do a presentation. I'm really impressed with the amount of P words you did do that. I've been trying to teach my son in year two uh, through distance ed um, with alliteration. I feel like I need to to sublet that to you. Maybe you can come and <laughs> rattle uh, Well, look, we all like to be paid. We all like possessions. Uh, <laughs> and as I said, the world is the world is governed by uh, word, the word starting with P because if you look at the political world, you have presidents, prime ministers, premiers, police, pastors. And they all make up professions. They all make up people. And in the palm of our, our hands, Jane, I always believe, and I say this to young people like your young son, in the palm of his hands, is his destiny in life. He can use it for good, he can use it for evil, he can use it for success, or he can use it for failure. And if you do fail, I always say to young people, look within yourself mm. and don't blame your parents, you know, because we all have to make change. Mm. Wise words. Now, you talked about your childhood and I guess it's a very different uh, upbringing on the Sunshine Coast um, in Caloundra to, to Jandowie. And I guess part of the role of, of your announcing is breaking down those barriers between... Um, our city cousins and mm-hmm. and preaching to the converted really. So, how do you bridge that gap? Well, I, if I give you an example, the Brisbane Royal Show, the Royal Queensland Show, where the Eckers is actually known. I took my tie off one day and I went around and just sat amongst the people and I took my microphone with me. But uh, and I was working with a great mate and a great friend who I worked with for seventeen years, Ron Edgerton, who was uh, just like my right hand. And we, we, in 17 years, we, we never had a crossword with each other. And with my wife, Vicky, we coordinate things, uh, I suppose, the best we can uh, in the most professional manner. But but I sat with people, I asked people what they what they want to hear. How long do they sit there in the grandstands? Would you believe the average person sits there for approximately 20 minutes? They look at their show bags. They look at what's happening. They love to hear about the people. They love to hear the success, what they're, where they're from. They love to hear about a horse, for example, that's, been an ex-runner in the Melbourne Cup or won the, the Brisbane Cup or whatever the case may be. And, and it was really through listening to the people that I developed this uh, enormous desire, I suppose, uh, and using right, raving microphones like we have now. I mean, back in the early days, there was no raving microphones. You just had a fixed microphone. You had to do everything from the broadcast box. So, you know, you interviewed people from the broadcast box, whereas now you can go down with a raving microphone and you can develop your own skills to go up and ask people, just like we're talking now, mm. about what's important to them in their life. So I just say it's only through maturity. It's only through learning. You, you know, it's like doing your apprenticeship. You start off and you hopefully you just develop these skills as you go along to make it better and better. And I'm still learning. So you never stop learning. So it's the most important thing is to improve on your last presentation. I always say we never get a second chance to make a first impression. And I think when you are passionate about stories and people too, it, it, you really don't stop learning when you have that real desire to, to just listen to what people have to say. Well, I think, I think the city people too just don't realise it. I mean, they hear about it, I know, on television. But when I watch TV and hear the stories about country people and I hear about the drought and the suffering, I hear about the floods and the famine, you hear about those stock losses during those horrific floods we had, you know, a year or two ago. I don't really think that people can comprehend. I don't think city people can comprehend what country people go through. So for myself, it's a big challenge to basically, I suppose, try to unite people, but above all, give those city people an understanding 
of the country, and particularly when it comes up to the stud beef cattle breeds and what they represent because we have the European breed, the British breed, the tropical breed, and, and to give them an education. I suppose it's all about educating people in regards to country people's needs, and if I can achieve that, I believe that I'm doing my job. So while we're talking about um, that and, I guess, country shows and people attending country shows, what is the appeal of a country show? Because do you think we're losing it a little bit? Are people too busy or they just are not as interested in the, the volunteering and, and that sort of thing? I think social media has made an enormous difference to that, Jane. I think it's uh, certainly had a big input, but I think above all the passion for people that want to show the best of the best and show their community off to visitors, whatever the case may be, is, is, the desire is still there. But it's certainly, dare say, waned a little bit and even more so now with the coronavirus because it's going to be a big challenge for people to pick up, you know, to, to lift their heels, lift their boots and get motivated again and get back into the, I suppose, the groove because we've had this massive lockdown, which really hasn't affected all the, you know, you look at the country areas of Australia, there hasn't been too many people that have uh, contacted coronavirus in the country areas. And I think that's another thing we don't focus on enough. And I think people need to realise that that uh, that coming together, that community sense of coming together, whether it's at Alpha or whether it's Capella or you know, Clermont or, or Emerald, all those beautiful shows I've attended over the years and going right through to Cairns, I think that passion, like Pioneer Valley is a prime example. It's a one-day show. And they, most, they have the most picturesque and beautiful showgrounds in the whole of Australia. And they do themselves so proud and they, they have this enormous desire to come together for the day and show the best of the best. And, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's wine. I think that's going to probably get stronger in the future. I believe that anyway. Yeah, with a pride in people's areas and, and certainly wanting people to, to appreciate it for sure. Mm. Now, you mm. have mentioned that your wife, Vicky, has been a, a huge part of what you've done. And I understand that she's got um, quite a meticulous record of uh, equestrian events. Is that is that correct? Yeah, very much so, very much so. Not any equestrian, but in fact, uh, I'm just looking here at uh, the records before me while I'm talking to you today about Beef Australia, since it all began, since 88. Mm. And would you believe in, uh, just to give you an idea of her records, uh, in total numbers in uh, 88 was uh, 1,376 heads, 1,562 in 91, 1,521, 94, 1,677 and the biggest number that uh, unofficially goes back to 1997, I think it was, with 36 breeds, and 91 was 35, 2006 was 34, and last year was 32. So without her records and without her compiling all that, I'd be lost. So she's a bit of, she's your producer, really, she isn't is, she? She is. She so is. what, what other kind of titbits does she feed you over the course of an event? Well, just, just all those wonderful records. In fact, uh, just looking back at another blue book I've got here, is every champion, every reserve champion going back to 88. Goodness. And I can look down at one page, and on one page I can see virtually every champion, whether it's a champion or reserve champion. And to have that at your fingertips is just amazing. It really is. And uh, and she does all my computer work uh, alongside of me at the Royal Shows as well. In fact, Ag Shows. Wow. And the uh, smaller shows, she actually goes into the show dumping arena. Yep. And people, I'll have my back to the show dumping arena, and I'll mention uh, someone's name and name of the horse and 
people look at me and say, how on earth does he do that? What they don't realize is I have a little uh, two-way in my ear uh, plug and uh, I trust everything Vicky gives me. <laughs> so I can be announcing the hacks and all of a sudden I can turn around and I uh, don't even have to turn around and say that on course is uh, Jane Carter, he writing a uh, my hero. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, that, that would be a disaster. Well, I was but talking what? about your husband then, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> but you sound like a formidable, a formidable team. I guess you wouldn't ever want to have a, a tiff too close to to the ringside then um, if she, she might feed you the wrong information. No, she's been – it's been amazing. Look, and could I just pay tribute to, the, you know, Mary Lewis, for example, who uh, was the coordinator of one of the Beef Expos we've had uh, – was at McCamley, uh, Bonnie Giddies last time and this year, Margaret Old. We rely on those people so much because those results are so important. And and the way that technology has changed, to be able to get that in the computers and to have those results. In, in also, Vicky compiles it in such a way that we can, if you could appreciate the fact that this is 40 breeds of stud beef cattle, for example, in an event, and I have 40 minutes to do, to do a grand pride. That means we have one minute to talk about each particular breed. And I'll tell you what, that's a challenge. You want to get through the champions, the reserve champions, and uh, and I think I don't know what Russell's got in mind for Beef 2021. I think every you know in the past we've had a reserve champion and champions, but for the parade of champions, maybe there's a uh, there's a challenge there to be looking at just all those champions uh, that we see before the people over that uh, two or three days that they have their judging. I don't know. That's up to the committee, but uh, it's a big task to put it all together. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, to to give an example, I think it was 2015, it was recorded in a different way. It was recorded on little sheets of cardboard. And it was a nightmare because to get all that in computer and have the right, the right breastplate numbers, et cetera, et cetera, for us and, uh, and particularly for Vicky coordinating it all was a challenge. Would you believe I was presenting the Grand Parade. We had a wonderful young uh, gentleman that uh, went down uh, and he looked up uh, the breastplate number on I think it was two or three breeds with the uh, purple ribbon and the green ribbon for the reserve champion. And he gave us the breastplate numbers for that breed, brought it back because on the little sheets of cardboard we had were the wrong breastplate numbers. Oh, wow. And when you were, when I announce a champion or reserve champion or any event, I mean, once I do that, if it's incorrect, I can't take that back. No, it's out there. So you're relying on stewards particularly and you're relying on all that hard work to make sure that they put in the right the, the right breastplate numbers, if we can say that. And uh, mm. And I can always remember, I think I was up to the Gelfi breed when Vicky said to me, she said, here you are, here's your last sheet. She said, I just finished doing it. Now, we were actually announcing when that was taking place. So without her, her alongside of me doing all that, and we were doing it at the main arena too uh, at the time, mm. uh, without her doing that, honestly, it, it would be a real nightmare. Mm. Now, I want to ask you something really controversial um, mm. because, you know, when we're talking about um, seed stock and the grand champions and the interbreed, um, right. you know, the, the stakes are high, but do you have? I won't tell anyone. Do you have a favourite in the interbreed? Oh, Jane, not really. I, look, I, I, they're all they're all champions in my eyes. But <laughs> but I guess I dare say Correct. when you look at I dare say I dare say it gets back to the judges. One thing about I, I love about the cattle ju- cattle judging and cattle judges that you have the expertise that they have. They they always uh, give a wonderful description about the reasons why. They do what they do. And my son-in-law, David Greenup, as an example, I always said to David, you know, what's the most important thing? He said that if you have a lineup of 10, then quite frankly, judges should go down to that 10th place. You know, and at least if they're good enough to exhibit that beast, they deserve a comment from a judge. 
not just going down to th three or four placings. I've never forgotten that. Oh, and I think that's that's so essential in what I do is to just uh, make sure that I remain uh, neutral and congratulate <laughs> everyone. But but look, the the, the, the Brahmins, uh, the Brahmins have certainly shown the way. The Drought Masters had uh, the biggest numbers last uh, to the, the last BFX, so 2018. Uh, Santa has played their part, and and then of course as you go down south. When I went down to Sydney Royal Show, you saw a lot more of the British breeds and the European breeds that have made such big inroads into our nation with the Charolais particularly and Limousin, et cetera. But I think they all serve a purpose, put it that way. And look, you know, you're not, you're not going to be showing beasts if you're not passionate about the breed and its qualities. So I think it's very wise to, um, to be impartial. What's your favourite um, treat at a, at a country show? You know, I can't go past... You go to any country show or, or beef expo or whatever it is and have a beef burger. Do you ever get sick of going and having a beef burger? No, never, never. I, I just, uh, I love it. And uh, in fact, uh, to, uh, I'm a little gilly too, by the way. I'm the patron of the Sherman's Guild of Australasia and it's a great honour for me to have been appointed their patron last year. With the, They take all the rides around Australia and, and I'm very partial to a Dagwood dog. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> now, you've been awarded an OAM, among other great honours, but I'm intrigued about your gong as Queensland's Father of the Year. How did that come mm. about? I understand the nomination wasn't from your own children. No, no, it wasn't. In fact, my daughter-in-law, when she found out, she said, well, they give it to you, you're never home. <laughs> yes. so, so. Blunt, yeah. <laughs> Because we were travelling 10 months of the year then and we were, um, we were a little over 10 months of the year. But, look, yeah, that came from uh, from certain people and particularly from young people. Young people, in fact, I didn't realise that wrote letters from the country down to the uh, – and nominated me to have my name put forward. And also uh, the chairman of the committee at the time was the Reverend Alan Mayle, who was a, who was a dear friend. And uh, But uh, he um, – there's been some great people, not just myself, but – there's been great people over the time that have won that award. And also, Jane, something very dear to my heart is the next generation of young people. I'm so passionate about influence, supporting and encouraging. And also, if there's any young people that are listening to this, the interview, that keep in mind that hopefully in early January next year, I'm actually running a, a school down at Yatlo, the Shaman's Girl, part of the Shaman's Girl think tank for a day and a half and trying to encourage young people to take up announcing because we're very short of announcers throughout Australia. Really? And if someone's interested, they're more than welcome to come down. We'll let you know more about that in the future. But uh, also with a lovely young lady by the name of Lindsay Douglas. Lindsay's now at Sydney and she's at Brisbane. She's just a delightful young lady to work with. Uh, and it's so wonderful to see, in fact, at Brisbane last year, the Royal Queensland Show, she was the first female announcer ever to be appointed. Goodness. And I'm so proud and privileged to have had the opportunity to... Uh, ever joined Vicky and I and, and work alongside of her as well. Why do you think there's a, a shortage of announcers? I would have thought that um, that would have been one of the easier volunteer spots to fill or people get a bit wary of the long hours and the and the, the strepsils. I suppose people, a lot of people don't think about it as a profession. Uh, you know, if, uh, as I said, Vicky and I are the only full-time announcers or I'm the only full-time announcer in Australia. We travel as a husband-wife team and uh, we've... Uh, we're very blessed and very fortunate, very lucky to to be able to say that. But uh, yeah, I think possibly because the a lot of shows, agricultural shows and rural shows, well, not rural shows, but agricultural regional shows, a lot of shows, you've got this wonderful, uh, the wonderful people that put up their hands to do announcing, and they're so uh, 
they're so good at what they do locally because they know the people and they know exhibitors, they know competitors. And I don't think that they they just want to do it as a part time. They don't want to do it as a full time. It is so there's the big difference, and uh, you have that time to research. And uh, and and as I said, I can't focus on that word enough. Research. It, it is. It's a big. It's a big uh, task to be able to do that. And uh, but hopefully, you know, there's some young guys coming along and young girls coming along that would like to do more of it. And uh, hopefully, they can uh, choose a path such as this for the future for themselves. Well, I hope you get plenty of people along to the course in January. That'd be great. That's what we're hoping. And I, I think uh, Dr. Rob Wilson from OAM, or not OAM, sorry, AM, who's the, the chairman of the Australian Show Association, because he's right behind it as well. And we've been looking at, uh, it's similar to the Rural Ambassador Awards that we have in the show movement throughout Australia. And I know that Beef Australia have a similar program going too for the next generation but it's it's just encouraging those young people i think it's 18 to 35 to really make a have an input in regards to decision making and then uh, having a future career and in agriculture whatever the case may be so if we can encourage or just help young people to maybe pick up the gauntlet and run with that then i i always remember my dad saying jane it's not what you achieve in your life it's what you leave behind and it's a little bit like the Beef 2021 are doing with the wonderful Mr. Ken Coombe, who was the first chairman of Beef 88 and 91, and to see that they're recognising his tremendous contribution in the way they are in regards to technology. I just think that's wonderful to pay because he left such a legacy behind, not only for 88 and 91, but he's involved in 94 as well. And, and also another great gentleman that's very much up there involved in the committee again this year is Ken Murphy. He's been involved with every... Every expo since the start in 88. Yeah, I had a great chat to him last year. He's got quite a, an incredible bank of knowledge. An amazing man. Everyone makes a contribution, you know, and you look at, uh, you know, the beef expos in, in 88 was Ken Coombe, 91 was Ken Coombe as chairman, uh, 94 was Ralph Shannon, who who uh, was so passionate about uh, agriculture and the beef industry. 97 was Terry McCosker, and then you had 2000, the great and the late uh, Graham Acton, in 2000, 2003, Jeff Murphy was uh, 2006, 2009, 2012, and then we had uh, 2015 with Blair Angus and 2018 with Blair Angus. And now Bryce Cam, I'm excited to see Bryce who's <laughs> the chairman because he's a little dynamo and he's been involved for years. And, you know, his mother was a great inspiration for me. Mm. Judy, uh, she never looked upon any any uh, disability as she had uh, I don't. I mean that in the nicest way, but no, she and David. She's an absolutely incredible woman. Just the most beautiful lady, and Lady Shirley McCamley, who was in yep. charge of the hospitality at the very first Beef Expo in '88. I mean, they're ladies that I just admire so much. They're always so pleasant, so nice, so positive, so passionate about everything they do. But above all, they were so proud of their family and the contribution they made to the beef industry as well. Well, I think you know, and Bryce, as you mentioned, is is a probably a younger person. He's similar to age mm. to me, so I'll be nice. Um, that you know, if you ever find a silver bullet to get the younger generation to pick up the baton and run, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of industries and and volunteer organisations and even industry organisations that would would love to hear it. Now, you obviously have quite a few records open in front of you, Angus. So you would mentioned just before we started recording about uh, one of the first Africana breeds to come over, which had an incredible name. So have you got um, some of, some more little tidbits there? <laughs> well, the Africana, in fact, was the uh, very first breed to come into Australia from South Africa on the first fleet. And uh, But the grand and junior champion bull in uh, 
1994 was a bull called Don't Worry Captain, there you are. Such a lovely by name. the Mead family from Dolby, and we've never seen another Africana exhibited at the Eve Expos over those years. So it's amazing when you look back at history, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's very important. Um, what, what was that the one and only, do you think? I think probably the, the Grayman, the Grayman uh, with the little family, they, uh, the Grayman, they, they made their, uh, I think they had a launch at uh, the Beef Expo in Rockhampton. I'm just looking down through my uh, my records here with uh, the Grayman and in fact they had 13 in 2000, 1991 was their first showing and uh, with um, my 13, sorry, in 91 and then they had nine and then they had uh, the last time they exhibited was back in 2009. So. It's just interesting when you see, and then the Herefords and Paul Hereford is exhibited in their own right over a period of time, but the last uh, couple of years, and also uh, they've combined uh, together now, the Hereford and the Paul Hereford. So we've seen these great changes down to the small cattle breeds, such as the miniature Herefords, miniature Galloways. And also, I always think of the wonderful Rick, man, Rick uh, Pizzacero. What an amazing man, and uh, what a superb book he's written about the beef industry, and the man that developed the Madelong Specials. And uh, he also developed, of course, the uh, square meters. I mean, the contribution that he made when he came out here after having to return to Italy after the Second World War because he was uh, Italian and he was in, interned at the time. But for him to come back and the contribution he made over the years has just been unbelievable. Now, you've been looking over the centre ring for all of the, the beefs and I guess all, most of the breeds have had um, quite a change in characteristics, whether it be size, length, um, pole, various traits. What's the mm. what are the big differences that you've noticed with the, your prime position? The, just the breed factor. The you know the particularly the, the European breeds that have made changes and and the crossbreeding. I don't. I mean that in the nicest way. You know where you've got the your Chabray, which have just developed so much, and and you have your your your, your Charolais that have made such a big input into into the scene, the Blonde Aquitaines and the Limousin, and so it goes on. But I, I think just that uh, that combination of just those breeds, those special breeds, the Mandalong Specials, a breed on its own, that's a combination of so many breeds. I think that's the change I've seen. And also just getting back to the first, my first one at 91, you know, it's changed, uh, Jane, where the whole arena at Rockhampton, the Rocky Showgrounds, uh, the beef capital city of Australia, was just focused totally, would you believe, on beef. I think we had uh, that year, just looking back, as I said to you before, there was something like 1,562 and 35 breeds. You know, I think just about every every breed, Ken Coon made sure that everything was was in the arena. Uh, we didn't have the big uh, big marquees up as we see now, which has made a big uh, transformation and change as well. But the whole arena was full of just beef cattle in 91 and 94. And that was the most amazing sight, I think, that I've ever had the privilege of being part of. And uh, I can always remember, God bless him, Ken Coombe, he said, Angus, in 91, he said, when I drop my hat, you just don't stuff up, boy, because if you do, you'll answer me. He <laughs> said, when I drop my hat, he said, that's the time, he said, that we want the introduction of the the stud beef uh, parade here today, the grand, the champion of champions and the grand parade. And uh, anyway, uh, would you believe uh, another wonderful man, Russell Cooper, who was a former Premier of Queensland, he knocked on the door about two minutes beforehand. He wanted to talk to the mass crowd. Well, I couldn't re couldn't refuse the, the Premier because being a great sponsor and everything, and Ken's down there and Russell's going on and Russell's going on and Russell's talking. And, <laughs> Can't and imagine that. Ken, Can't imagine that at all. <laughs> no, and Ken dropped his hat and Angus was sitting there still. Uh, I, I was getting more worried more worried. 
unbelievable. And uh, then the president uh, at the time, uh, Richie Pierce, and his committee came up about uh, the same time, knocked on the door, because it was my first year back at Rock to announce at Rockhampton show as well. I didn't know who they were, and I said, uh, you know, you guys better bugger off. Excuse the expression. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever get an invitation to go back. But anyway, look, it's, uh, that's all part of the course. And when I think back, Russell did a great job, and as have uh, our other premiers. And it's wonderful to see the state government, local government, and federal government give tremendous support to the Beef Expo. Do you still get nervous when you come into these big events and you've got a few thousand people on the grounds and many millions of hours of volunteers that have gone, hours that have gone into the event? Do you still... Get a few butterflies before you turn the microphone on? Every day. <laughs> it's healthy. Every day. I always <laughs> say to young people, if you don't do that, you shouldn't be announcing. But uh, <laughs> whether it's a one-day one show or whether it's, uh, you know, a, a week, or an event such as the Beef Australia that goes for the week or whatever part I play or the Sydney Rolls show, every every day that I switch on the microphone, yes, I, I always – I'm so aware of those people's needs because, you know, as I said, you don't get a second chance to make sure everything's right. And I remember down at Sydney Raw, so we always introduced with the, we are the champions and and to coordinate all that. And then uh, right at the very end to have our fanfares and simply the best that we try to uh, coordinate as well. You know, just to, to give it that extra pizzazz is so important as well, because these people, you know, they, they've worked for, for years, just not one year, but they've worked for years to bring, the best of the best along and breed the best of the best to, to show. And uh, for all those exhibitors and competitors we see at shows, but particularly exhibitors for the stud beef cattle and any breed of cattle, I just admire so much not only the exhibitor but their family and the, the love and the passion that they show is something that I suppose it's a little bit passed on to me because it's the adrenaline that I live on that hopefully I can do a great job for them on their behalf. I just want to take you back to another story you mentioned just before when you're talking about um, nerves, but uh, young people, there was a particular beef event with mm. the school kids and there was a boy that sort of, he gave you a run for your money really, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he certainly did. It was uh, I think it was back in 2015, I think, uh, where I uh, we had the, all these young people, I think there was about 300 there or thereabouts uh, waiting for the judging to commence and I saw this young gentleman holding uh, he was he had uh, everyone's attention up in the grandstand he was about 11 years of age i think he was from dolby if my memory serves me correct and uh, <laughs> always the dolby he, uh, boys that's where my husband's yeah, from <laughs> <laughs> they're all good little uh, junior champion bulls down there but, anyway, <laughs> but I, I called him down i invited him down and i said to him i said you've got a lot to say up there and, and all his mates clapped and cheered and i said look what i want to do i want to give you a challenge and i picked out a young gentleman from the crowd and i said now I want you to explain to the people the reasons why you gave him the grand champion bull over the senior champion bull, and I'm the senior champion bull. This young fellow's a junior champion bull, so we're going to walk out and we're going to walk up in front of the grandstand, then we're going to walk back, and you can explain the reasons why. Well, he did a superb job, this young fellow. He took the microphone like a real pro, and when it came up to myself walking out, you know, he uh, gave his description, and he said, well, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, he said he, he's a little weak in the hocks. <laughs> He said, I don't know uh, whether he'd be able to cover the ground uh, as far as getting to a water trough, et cetera. And, uh, and then he said, if you notice also, he compared to this junior champion bull, this senior champion bull's got a little bit too much fat cover. Oh, brutal. And, uh, and that was fine. It's Dagwood I, Dogs. Yeah. That was your Dagwood, Dagwood. Dogs, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And I was laughing to myself until eventually when I turned around and walked back and he said, yeah. and I'd also just like to say, he said, with the weak hocks, he said, and also a little excess of fat cover, he said, I don't know how he'd go servicing the cows. 
Oh. And I uh, I said, I uh, took the microphone, I said, look, I'm just so glad I left my uh, clothes on today, boy, because, <laughs> you know, you got them all right anyway. So, But the crowd went wild and they just loved it. So Gosh, I think the most do. important thing is to allow young children, to, or not young children, but young people like that to express themselves. And I showed no offence whatsoever because I just thought this young fellow was brilliant. How he gracious. Got a, big, a big future. <laughs> Except maybe his teacher at school might be um, not as forgiving. <laughs> Beef, as we know it, is a marathon event, and I'd imagine you'd have a pretty active social life too with all of your friends from many years, as well as your announcing role. So what's your tip to getting through the week unscathed? Oh, look, Jane, I, I don't um, – I have an odd beer. That's about all I have, but uh, my <laughs> wife, Vicky, doesn't drink at all. But, mm. but would you believe socially we always uh, – very appreciative of what the committees do for us, but in all the years I've been up since 1991, I think I've been to to one one uh, official dinner really? in all that time. Yes, I we just love to do our job and and go back and make sure that we're totally prepared for the next day and uh, disciplined. To give, to give you an example of that, uh, for many years I've taken up the flags of all the origins of where the cattle came from, and uh, one year. When I went up there, the one flag I left behind was the French flag. Oh, no. And we had uh, all these special gifts over from uh, Caledonia, New Caledonia. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, as they walked around the arena, they were looking for the French flag. And someone mentioned it to myself, so I rang up home and uh, one of our children very quickly took it in and put it on the bus. It was McCaffrey's at the time. That's a long time ago now. And they, they took it up to Rockhampton and I picked it up the next morning from the where they dropped it off at the service station in Rocky. And, and I always remember going up to the motel where uh, Dougie Logan and his lovely wife owned, uh, I think it was Country Comfort, Country Comfort or something like that. And I went up there and they were, they were just about, they were just, in fact, uh, going on the bus to go out to Gracemere. So I asked the uh, person that uh, was their uh, coordinator to call them off the bus and I unfurled the French flag. Well, I've never seen so many happy smiles in my life. <laughs> That's beautiful. So what I'm saying is that it's so important that we get everything right. You know, it's. You're uh, in your game. You are, you are, and uh, you know the committee uh, wouldn't expect anything else because uh, I, um, I, I've never been guilty ever, of, if I can say uh, as an example, uh, having a forex while I'm working because <laughs> of the fact that uh, you only have to slur some word and someone said he's on the grog again. So I make sure that I just have plenty of. Uh, Liquid refreshments, which is normally just nice water. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't having a go at you about being a boozer, actually. I was more so no, it is no. a big week with a lot of talking, and, you know, talking takes it out of you. <laughs> so it was... Yeah, I, would you believe I, I chew a lot of uh, crushed ice. A lot of people say, you know, if I tend to have a horse in my throat, I, I tend to uh, chew a lot of crushed ice. A lot of people say um, hot, hot drinks like tea and coffee, etc. but I mainly stick to just something that's cool and, for some unknown reason, it just seemed to work for me. No, mm. but that's that's fair enough too. Now, what are, we we don't have too much time left, but I do want to know a couple of your top moments of beefs over the years. I'm sure you've you've mentioned a couple, but I'm sure you've got a couple more stored away there. I I, I think just the introduction of the the people, the exhibitors, and above all the, the judges. Look, there's just been magnificent judges over the years that we've had the pleasure of meeting, and and there was. Uh, the American judges that have come out in 1994, I can always remember the, the uh, so many of the Americans that came out. And and the thing that probably inspires me is the fact when you hear the Americans who are so 
uh, proud of their nation naturally and uh, America and there's nothing like America but to hear them say that this is the best exhibition ex <laughs> exhibition of cattle expo I've ever been to in my life you know well, when you hear nice. that that's when you hear that from an American, American yeah <laughs> isn't that it's amazing so look just just to see all those people united as one and particularly today where they have that magnificent international um, marquee set up with uh, for our special guests from overseas to see people unite to see people enjoy this magnificent beef industry of Australia and uh, to uh, just uh, walk down uh, through the lanes and have a look at all the breeds, but above all, everyone that makes up the exciting 2018-2021 uh, beef exhibition, I think is, uh, for me, that's exciting. And also to, to think back to the foundations that Mr. Ken Coombe and his committee started, that I think to see it grow and to be built on, you know, each year we go up there, there's something different. There's something new. The technology's changed. The technology's new. It's it's just an exciting event to be part of. And as I said, it's uh, no doubt the biggest in the world. So to be part of that is just a privilege and a pleasure. Now, a bit of a personal question, but do you, do you cook much? Do you get into the kitchen? Yes, occasionally yes. Uh, with uh, bacon and eggs. That's about my limit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I've been asking everybody on our um, What's Your Beef podcast, what's their favourite cut oh, of look, beef I, to I, cook? I don't want fancy dinner party. I want no, average, average, average dinner. If you are, are selecting beef, what are you cooking? I just love it. I, me personally, I just love that eye fillet, and uh, I like it thick mm-hmm. and juicy, and I like it uh, to medium rare, and with a lovely salad of all the beautiful homegrown products that we have in Australia. So that's that's probably my favourite. Easy fix and delicious. Well, thank you so much for your time, Angus Lane. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Jane. And look, I wish all the exhibitors all the very best and the committee with uh, with Bryce uh, and his wonderful committee. I wish them all well for the lead up to the beef expo- expo- exposition. I'll get it right. <laughs> and also, and also above all, I just want to say thank you from my heart to all the sponsors because without sponsors, you know, events like this don't just don't happen. As I said before, without the MLA, without the state and federal and local governments, and the, and particularly to Margaret Strilo and her wonderful. Wonderful hospitality she extends to all these people from overseas and the people of Campton, particularly, that open up their homes and open up their hearts for us for Beef Australia 2021. I look forward to being part of it again this year, next year. Wonderful. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you then and um, hearing you in the centre ring. Well, I want you to promise me something, and that is that uh, we'll do a reverse role. You can come <laughs> into centre ring. You can tell me your highlights leading up to Beef Australia 2021 and the wonderful people you've had the pleasure of talking to over that time as well. So I look forward to your company as well. Well, that'd be great. I'd look forward to that. Thanks so much, Angus. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.